I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for this episode, which very excitingly is our very special Ashes Preview Special. So to make this a success, I wanted a co-host alongside me with an outstanding knowledge of the game and a peerless international reputation as a pundit. And I knew there was only one man for the job. But since he wasn't available, Uh, instead I've got Tony Kerr. (laughs) You right? Yeah, not bad, Tony. How are you? Yeah, good. Good, thanks. Good to be here. Very. You'll see I'm rocking the Christmas jumper yeah, you're today. Right in the spirit. We are, we're recording this on the 1st of December. It's not our Christmas special though, so you've, you're not going to, yeah, you're, you're a bit overdressed really, I'd say. True. <laughs> you want me to take it off? Under- Is that what you're <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I had the, I've had the Christmas jumpers lined out, lined up on my, uh, on my, my dressing table, <laughs> <laughs> if that's a thing that I have for weeks now. I've just been absolutely itching to get them on and I woke up this morning, bounded out of bed. It's like Christmas morning for me, oh, quite wow. literally, Christmas jumper morning. And I will just wear a Christmas jumper now, every day until the end of the year <laughs> and beyond. I think we did threaten to have a World Cricket Show Christmas jumper at one point. It may have even happened. I've just forgotten about it. <laughs> Maybe we should re- revive that. It may have even happened and I took all the profits yeah. from, the, from the sales. Yeah. Uh, that's I wonder why I was getting all those ads. Less said about that, the better. How are you doing anyway? Are you excited for this Ashes preview? Uh, I'm excited for the preview, yeah. Whether I'm excited for the Ashes is a question you're going to ask me. I'm, Are you going to try and suggest that, much like with the T20 World Cup preview we did, that this should be the pre-preview? You're not, <laughs> you're not quite ready for the preview. I hate to break it to you, Tony. This is the preview. So I hope you've done all, all your research, done all the homework I asked you to do, and you've not come in here completely unprepared. No, I can see <laughs> Look, <laughs> I just looked over, spotted your iPad. You've got, you've got a screen grab of Tim Payne, Tim Payne's t- text messages there. So you're well prepared yeah, for I'm this. Well, I'm a bit undercooked, but <laughs> I'm just getting getting the things that we might need uh, to hand. So that's good. Well, we've got we have got lots to talk about, including uh, some off the field issues like that. But yes, the the the, the prime thrust of this episode is to preview the Ashes. We're going to be delivering the comprehensive lowdown on all the teams involved in this year's Ashes series, making some predictions as well, I'm sure. There is quite a bit to discuss, as I as alluded to, um, some off-the-field things with, with Tim Payne, Pat Cummins and all that. Um, we have got some other things to talk about. There's lots going on in cricket at the moment. Uh, India v New Zealand, there's a test series going on. What in reality could be argued is a much more interesting test series uh, between the world's number one and two teams uh, has got has started in thrilling fashion. So we'll definitely touch on that at least. And, and obviously the big story in cricket at the moment continues to be the, the racism scandal that's blown up in the wake of Azim Rafiq's testimony to the House of Commons Select Committee. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. Lots to get through here, Tone. 
Are you ready for this? Yeah, bring it on. Let's start with the Ashes, uh, because the Ashes is very much up in our grill piece now. The first test kicks off in Brisbane on Wednesday, the 8th of December. As I mentioned, we're recording this on the 1st of December. So if, if any captains resign or if anything else happens uh, in the next few days, I'm just sort of uh, date stamping when we're speaking. Uh, there's never any shortage of talking points coming into an Ashes series, but this time it feels like there are more talking points than ever. Many of them off the field, as I say. Uh, we're going to get into all of them, but here's my first question for you, Tone, and it's a corker. Mm-hmm. How excited are you for the Ashes? <sighs> Reasonably, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a welcome distraction to, uh, from, what? from some things. I don't know. No, well, no I, am I excited? Yeah, I guess there is an inherent excitedness, isn't there? Excitability mm. around the Ashes. Clearly, once we're we're underway, and you know, there's there is a lot of uncertainty. Uh, around this series, probably way more uncertainty than there's ever been. In that sense, yeah, quite intrigued to see how it kind of plays out. And actually, you know, it it, it could throw up some big surprises or, you know, it, there's, there is a real unpredictability to, I think, well, apart from the fact that England are going to lose 5-0, there's a real <laughs> unpredictability to just how they're going to lose it 5-0. Because <laughs> yes. um, we don't know, you know, we don't know where, in effect, really, what the matches will look like, even what order they'll be played in in terms of the venues or, or what will happen towards the end of the... Yeah, the, and there's so many question marks on there to do with quarantines, obviously the new variant, all this kind of, mm. all this jazz. Um, both teams... A pretty what new variant? Yeah, <laughs> and this is how I find out about <laughs> it. Um, and both teams are like as undercooked as they've ever been. Probably, I mean, you know, you probably go back and listen to our our Ashes previews of of yesteryear. I recommend it. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. really it's really a worthwhile way <laughs> to spend your time at the moment. But uh, you know, in sort of living memory, I think we've always we've we've been saying you know that teams have been going in undercooked to a lot of test series, but certainly Ashes as well. But you know, obviously, a lot's been made of the fact that only twenty nine overs have been mm. bowled in in the build up to the series for England. Both teams are going to basically walk onto that first test pitch, probably not really knowing what kind of shape they're in. There's been a lot of rain uh, in Brisbane, where England have been warming up, isn't there? Kind of uh, an unusual. Uh, weather event and as you say only 29 overs uh, of, of preparation for England of middle preparation I mean, so my far. kind of preparation like if I was you know if you'd asked me to tour Australia five tests would I want to play a couple of warm-up matches probably not I think I'd get there you know sort of half an hour before the first test and, and get straight in but yeah. obviously these guys are operating on a slightly different level of commitment and sure. personal pride so uh, they'll probably want to be uh yeah, want to be in as good a shape as they can be. Yeah, but that's because you don't actually like playing cricket <laughs> that much. I mean, you do like playing cricket, but for like, you know, 15, 20 overs. It's like our friend, friend of the show, Dave, who uh, was opening batsman for our school first 11, but used to just be absolutely delighted whenever the game was rained off. And yeah. then, then when, when, yeah, whenever we discuss, you know, the concept of uh, international players going to do a tour, you know, going tour Australia for an Ashes series be like god I can't think of anything worse <laughs> think of all that fielding it's like Dave I think you might be playing the wrong sport yeah but I don't think that's the attitude that the England players have I imagine they're probably disappointed not to have had more practice um as you say it's it's surely the oddest build-up to an Ashes series certainly in recent memory possibly ever as well as the fact that the warm-up has been disrupted you've got English cricket under a cloud uh with the Azim Rafiq 
stuff, which we're going to talk about later. You've got Australian cricket under a cloud, which we're going to talk about very shortly. Obviously, the pandemic as well, as you touched on, Tone, you know, a couple of months ago, we weren't sure if it would happen. It still might not. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I think it probably will, and I'm sure at least some of it will, but it could still yet be heavily disrupted by Omicron. Omicron? Omicron? People, care, really. if you're correcting I mean, people, yeah. get a lot. I don't think it's the most important element of the story, but you do see a lot of people. I've heard people say, ah, 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 it's Omicron. Uh, yeah, I just give up, really. The fifth test is still supposed to be in Perth, but there's still a doubt about whether that can happen because of the quarantine rules there. It could yet be moved to Tans- Tasmania. So, And there's also the possibility of more than becoming day-night matches or things being swapped around. So It's a fairly chaotic build-up, I think it would be fair to say, but... When we get to Brisbane next week, well, we're not going to go to Brisbane. But when you know, when it gets to midnight and we we're kind of huddled under the under the under the doona on the sofa, <laughs> uh, and you turn on the TV and it's bright blue skies and bright green outfield, and the teams come out and we have the anthems and we have Jerusalem. And there's a full house uh, at the Gabba. You know, will all this stuff that we're talking about here will all of that just kind of melt away? Do you think, or not? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, to a certain extent, yeah, because you're just being into the swing of it. Things, you know, all that will be forgotten in the sense that, you know, players will be praised, celebrated, berated, humiliated based on what they've done and whether they've had the the chance to adequately prepare or Mm. not, really. And that's just on the World Cricket Show. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah, I do have have a certain, uh, yeah, a certain sympathy, yeah, a certain sympathy with with the squads because, yeah, this is... This is the number one, or well, for us anyway, it's the number one series, isn't it? It's the it's it's the one um, it's the pinnacle, and, and you know, it's it's unfortunate that that certain players probably aren't in the position that they might want to be in going into it. It's funny, it is weird, isn't it? Thinking back to I don't know last year or the start of last summer, and, and looking ahead and thinking, well, will this ha- will this series happen? I mean, it, it it's great that it is happening. It's it's frustrating though that there's still that cloud hanging over it. Yeah, and I, I guess what I'm suggesting is that perhaps once once it actually starts and once cricket is happening that that might dissipate a bit or at least you know one, once the series has happened we, we might not remember this build-up so much yeah no but, i think that's but, fair. May, but maybe not i that's mean it, it might be that it's just you know that the cricket's underwhelming and it continues to be under a cloud all the way through i i, I don't know and by the cloud you mean the pandemic Cloud. Well, yeah, I mean, it's obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I don't yeah, think yeah. the pandemic's going <laughs> to blow yeah. over before next Wednesday. To be honest, that, hate to break it to that's you. One of the, yeah, cheers, mate. That's one of the. Uh, <laughs> I suppose it's one of the sort of slightly, you know, you go in with a, a little bit of trepidation because obviously of how unsatisfactorily the summer ended for us in England in terms of that India series, which was you know poised, um, and then the final test got got scrapped, got canned on the morning. Mm. So in that sense, you know does that affect your sort of willingness to throw yourself all in in the early, as a spectator, as a fan in those early matches, knowing that you know, actually the fifth test or the fourth, you know, whatever they could all be, they could all be pulled at the last minute mm. or well, you'd hope not, you'd hope they'd be able to be moved, but um, I don't know. That's nagging at the back of my head. Yeah, there's a, there's a huge amount of uncertainty. We're going to talk, you know, we're going to start getting into the, the, the detail uh, in a second, but just, just in terms of how excited I am, Honestly, something that's taken the edge off my excitement just a little bit uh, is that, you know, talking about being under the doona. Honestly, I'm going to find it harder to stay awake to watch much of it this year than than in, in the past due to a combination of, you know, uh, having a toddler and just getting old. You know, but, maybe you know, maybe there'll be more day-night games, Tone. I mean, that's something to root for for us because then we can at least watch some of it 
in the morning and you know for me that's an incentive to to get up early to to do the morning shift it sounds a little ridiculous but something else that's taking the edge off my excitement just a smidge is the fact that it's on bt you know we're not gonna there's gonna be no atherton no hussein it's gonna be the australian commentary well, has that been settled yet because perhaps we'll come on to this in a bit but yeah, the, all the reports over the last week were that BT was scrambling to find a new commentary team because they, they don't want to take the uh, Australian feed oh, with, with Vaughan. Get the other Australian feed. Are they, are they trying to recruit their own commentary team now? From my understanding, yeah, they were looking for a commentary. I mean, this could be us. They were looking for a commentary team, UK-based, to gabble all over the feed <laughs> rather than, just rather than have like 20 minutes of Vaughan every couple of hours. Right. This could be our audition. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, true, true, yeah. <laughs> Should cut out all that... Nonsense Christmas jumper chat at the start, <laughs> shouldn't I? Um, and maybe I should cut out the fact that I've said it's taking the edge of my excitement that it's on BT. Yeah, it's just ramping up your <laughs> so, excitement. If something that's making me really yeah. excited about this series, the fact that it's going to be on BT Sport, they do a great... I mean, they do a cracking job they, on the football. They do a great landline as well, yeah. don't they? Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic landline from BT. I mean, turning to the, the cricket itself, may, maybe it's foolish if, if we are really excited about it, because, oh, foolish, possibly a bit strong, but we might be over-optimistic because it's certainly not beyond the realms of possibility that this will be a pretty one-sided series. You mentioned, Tone, the, the only certainty. There's a lot of uncertainty around. The only certainty is that England are going to lose 5-0. Um, I mean, that that's obviously, you're sort of, you're possibly exaggerating for comic effect or maybe not, but certainly on England's two previous trips to Australia, they've been on the wrong end of absolute tonkings and given all the problems in their team, at the moment, particularly in the batting, it's not too difficult to make a case that we're going to see a similar outcome this time. Perhaps that's too pessimistic. We'll get into to England's team in a bit, but it could also be too pessimistic because Australia have some significant problems of their own. Most obviously, they've had to find a new captain because uh, just a couple of weeks before the series, Tim Payne resigned. I'm just going to quickly read this article from The Guardian. I'm sure... Virtually everybody listening to this knows the story, but just in case you've only kind of read a headline. Tim Payne resigns as Australia's test cricket captain over private text messages sent to colleague. A tearful Tim Payne announced his resignation as Australia's test cricket captain after a previous investigation into a sexting scandal surfaced less than three weeks before the start of the Ashes, sending the host plans for the series into disarray. Payne stood down at a press conference in Hobart after it became clear to him that details of explicit text messages sent to a female former colleague in 2017, which predated his appointment as test captain, were about to be made public. An integrity unit investigation four years ago had cleared Payne of any breach of Cricket Australia's code of conduct, but he said he deeply regretted his actions at the time and still to this day. Payne said it was a difficult decision to make, but the right one for me, my family and cricket. We thought this incident was behind us and that I could focus entirely on the team as I have done for the last three or four years. However, I recently became aware that this private text exchange was going to become public. On reflection, my actions in 2017 do not meet the standard of an Australian cricket captain or the wider community. I'm deeply sorry for the hurt and pain that I have caused. Pat Cummins has been appointed to take over. We'll talk about him in a second, but what's what's your take on this tone? Do you have a take on this? Do you have a view? It's tricky, isn't it? Because it's such a mess. And the fact that pain is Payne's decision to step down. It's, there's almost not that much to say about it in a way because it's like, well, he, that, he decided that that was the right thing yeah. for him to do. But it, I don't know, it, just something quite sort of strange about this whole story. Yeah. Well, the timing obviously didn't help. Possibly, yeah, you know, it would come from a different angle in terms of uh, uh, you know, an offence 
to what's happening in England and all the, you know, as we're going to come on to, I'm sure, you know, the, the scandal around Azim Rafiq and, and um, his experiences. Arguably, there was a slight sort of hastiness to it. Mm. I've heard some people say that perhaps it was, the, you know, it was the right decision because if he, you know, you sort of take, you take the hit and that actually, you know, make the apology, whether everyone would agree that that's needed or not. And you can sort of just move on from it. May, you know, maybe it's a slightly different situation with Payne because his whole position anyway is, has been questioned throughout his tenure as captain. Mm. The, 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 the fact that, you know, should he be even be in the team, you know, on his, on his sort of playing ability alone, if you took the captaincy away from him, now, that's not to say he clearly would have, I'm sure, liked to lead the side in a home ashes. But in terms of his sort of future in and around Australian cricket as a whole of the sport, then maybe it is the right decision in terms of kind of saving face somewhat. Um, but it is strange. The fact that, as you say, the fact that, the, you know, the internal investigation, whatever it's a few years ago, could he not just have come out and, and, and said, you know, it was, it's an embarrassing episode that... Mm. Uh, and move on I, I, I don't know yeah yeah it's worth saying as well that he is now taking in taking an indefinite break away from cricket um so he's set, he's not going to play in the ashes or at yeah. least n- not at the start you'd imagine not at all there's been some uh suggestion that's con- you know concerns for his his kind of well-being at the moment as i say there is just something a bit strange about it it, it, it is it is a total mess the texts, you know, we're not obviously not going to read out the text, but they are available to read online. They're pretty tragic and cringy, and he's been a monumental idiot, and it's hard to defend the content of them. But, you know, by all accounts, they were, the word that's been used is consensual. You know, there wasn't, there was some sort of relationship between these two people. His wife, I understand, knew about it, he knew about it since then, has forgiven him and moved on. The code of conduct investigation cleared him of any wrongdoing. They didn't ask him to resign when they found out about it a few months after he took over as captain. So, and also the fact that it was just you know, obviously then he's out in front of the cameras, obviously very upset about the situation and about the the yeah about the whole episode and mm. and it's just yeah I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't kind of sit exactly right. No, it's tricky. It's tricky territory. And like again, we, yeah, the, we'll you know we'll, again we'll come on to it with, with Azim Rafiq. You know, we're not. This is another thing where we're, I suppose, the the type of people who aren't the victims. Sure, quote unquote, in these sort of situations. I, yeah, so we we do have to be careful here. But and the the woman in question has made a, a subsequently made a, a, a sexism complaint against Cricket Tasmania, but about somebody else, not about Tim Payne. And so, yeah, it's it's a tricky area, and you're right. We're not the, the right people to to talk about these issues, particularly. It's it's difficult, and I, I do wonder, as you mentioned, that, that there were sort of questions about his place in the team, anyway. And there's not been a, a massive outpouring of sympathy for him around the world, you know. And he obviously had that shocker of a series against India last year. He's not very popular with England fans because of things he said about Joe Root recently and he's kind of the butt of quite a few jokes around the world but that i don't think that should color that shouldn't be uh relevant to this situation I, what i mean is i, I don't think people haven't been leaping so, to his defense in the way that they might have done for some other more popular players yeah and and, and it, you know i suppose it's it's a professional working environment you know would in other workplaces would this kind of episode be tolerated or 
I was encouraged, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, would it be allowed to encourage us? <laughs> Strongly encouraged. <laughs> um, and I guess probably not. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's probably, yeah, there's probably a, sure. another podcast in terms of like... Wh- yeah, you know. but I think it's the fact, like, if this was something that hadn't been known about before, you know, it had just come to light, that's different to the fact that they did know about it three years ago. They had an investigation cleared of any wrongdoing. It was the embarrassment of it going public is the issue, not the fact of it happening, it seems to me. Presumably they would potentially, or it would have been made public had it not, the circumstances not been that it came to light, it came to light almost immediately after Payne being appointed captain to clean up Australian cricket, effectively mm. clean up the image, you know? Yeah. Without, without that context, maybe it point. would have been... They, they, you know, both or all parties may have been more willing to 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 make that public. They tried to bury it, possibly, and 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 in a way, yeah. Obviously, the sort of the public scrutiny that comes from from you know, journalists and from publication stuff is almost always free of the actual burden of actually, you know the situation itself and mm. and what you would do. I don't know. I mean, it's it's easy to say or you should sort of make public all your previous wrongdoings and misdemeanors and embarrassments. But how many, how many of those people who, who say that or, uh, do that themselves? It's a lot of, few. lot of skeletons in the World Cricket Show closet on their <laughs> yeah. HR department working overtime over the years. I don't know. I'm, I certainly would not defend his actions, but there just seems something odd about the fact that this has happened and he's, you know, his, it's kind of ended his career. Mm. And and yet he'd previously been cleared of wrongdoing, you know. So yeah, yeah. I I do. I feel sad for him. I suppose I don't want to say I feel sorry for him because I say I'm not defending what he did here, but I do feel sad. I think it's possible to feel sad for him as well. The man to replace Tim Paynes is Pat Cummins. Tim the man to replace Tim's pain <laughs> is Pat Cummins. Steve Smith announced his vice captain as well, which is quite interesting. Bloody hell, it is raining hard outside, Tone. It is coming down, mate. Is it hailing? I actually can't, I can't really see the harbour, mate. It's raining so hard. It's partly because the blinds are (laughs) almost closed. But um, anyway, yes. uh, So Steve Smith, vice captain. Pat Cummins, the the captain. Any surprise that it's Cummins? Was he the obvious candidate, do you think? Well... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Ken, I could see your iPad from here. You've just got the Australia squad open. Yeah. Well, actually, that you just swipe down through it. Just any yeah. other names I mean, I mean, springing yeah, up. He, he was vice captain. Yeah. Um, by all accounts, you know, he was the kind of the other... By all accounts, he has been a core part of the sort of leadership team, if you like, for a while. So, yeah, I mean, it seems the obvious choice. Obviously, there are the question marks over whether a bowler should captain the side, mm. and there is probably a debate to be had there. Be interesting to see, yeah, see how he goes. Um, yeah, I think the argument of the fact that bowlers are more likely to be rested, rotated, and stuff is valid. Um, but equally, rest and rotation, I think, is more, yeah, it's more kind of accepted pattern of, of selection now that that actually, you know, if he does have to pass the captaincy on to someone else, does that really affect too much? the role or the continuity or his own kind of authority and probably not is the answer. Yeah. Well, you would think you would think though that he probably wouldn't be rested or rotated for a, a crucial match in a crucial series. Like he's not going to be rested for the third test of this Ashes series. Yeah. If it's one all, yeah, it's unlikely that he would have been before becoming captain, but he's definitely not going to be now. 
Um, but the resting thing is probably more of a red herring. But I suppose it's the injury thing, isn't it? Like because he just is more yeah, likely more to be to be injured. Um, and it is, as you say, unusual to see a bowler, particularly a fast bowler, as a test captain. Um, we've, if you look around the world, we've got Jason Holder at the moment, but he's sort of the exception that highlights the rule. I've never understood the expression, the exception that proves the rule, but it's the exception that highlights the rule. And it, you know, in the past, there's been Bob Willis, Wasi Macron, Marco Yunus, Sean Pollock. Um, but there are you can sort of count them, can't you? And, and uh, no fast bowler has ever captained Australia full-time. Pat Cummins is the first. So there is this kind of notion, this this accepted wisdom that bowlers don't make good captains. Um, or, or at least you assume that's the accepted wisdom given that they are never made captains. Or do you think it's just about the injury and rotation thing or is there something more to it, Tone? I suppose it, yeah, well, I guess, it, yeah, once a, a pattern becomes a pattern, then, you know, people could largely follow suit, don't they? And mm. it becomes the accepted wisdom. Um, I don't see any reason why we couldn't see more bowlers captaining in future, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of the done thing, isn't it? And, mm. and uh, unless you're sort of forced to, yeah, I, I suppose there's probably for the reasons just mentioned, you know, it's probably preferable to have a, a batsman who's likely to, yeah, not be forced out of matches and well, and yeah. not be off the field during matches, exactly. getting a back rub or something. Yeah, and and also less responsible for. Yeah, clearly what you're doing in the field is if you've got a, a bowler who's captain in the side, you know, clearly their their main job is to to be um you know is to be carried out. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say. I do that, I'm not no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm nodding and smiling now like a teacher with a promising student. You know what I mean? I so basically you're, you're, the bowler's job it. is to be you've done ways in the field. But yeah. anyway, yeah, obviously a, Correct. a batsman can get <laughs> out there and just hit the ball, see ball, hit ball. <laughs> no, very good. Very yeah, good Ted. If um, you cut that. If no. you don't cut that, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Um, well, actually, I was reading about it as well. There is, I, I didn't know about this. There is a, a, a quirk of, of cricketing history. You know, way back in the day, in the 19th century, there was this divide between gentlemen and players. There were amateurs and professionals. And the, uh, the amateurs, I guess, would be the kind of... Yeah, you're you're nodding. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, nodding. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Amateurs would yeah, be like... Just let them get there. More, <laughs> more, uh, more from the upper class, the upper crust, and the... Uh, professionals be more from the working class and the the batsmen would tend to be the 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 gentlemen and so they would take the captaincy for themselves um so there is partly a kind of historical quirk but i think there is a logic to it as well i think yeah the the captain has a much bigger role to play when his side are fielding than when his side are batting and can just concentrate on captaincy you know how easy is it for a bowler to concentrate on those two things at the same time and you know, maybe when it's going well in both departments, it is. But if you're having an off day as a bowler or if the game's against you and you've got a lot to think about as a captain, you know, can you concentrate on both of those things at the same time? And then there's the the issue that they either don't bowl themselves enough or bowl themselves too much, a la Andrew Flintoff uh, in the Ashes 2006-7. But so if it, is a, if it is a real thing, if it is a rule, if you like, uh, then... If anybody's going to escape it, Pat Cummins is probably as well equipped as as anyone, you would say. He's obviously one of the best fast bowlers in the world. Much like Jason Holder, he's a, a very impressive young man, isn't he? And he's clearly got a, a good cricket brain, seems to be very highly respected. So he makes sense as a captain to me, but it will be an interesting an interesting one to, to keep an eye on. 
Turning to England then, Tone, England's confidence coming into this series should on paper be pretty low, you would think. They've lost the last two Ashes series in Australia, 4-0 and 5-0. Uh, they've had a very poor year in Test cricket, having lost to New Zealand and more or less lost to India home this summer and lost in India earlier this year. Not won many Test matches this year. They've had a pretty underwhelming few years in Test cricket Um you would say and then as we've as we mentioned they've had virtually zero match practice coming into the series but they did receive a massive boost a couple of weeks ago with the news that Ben Stokes is back wasn't expected to be part of this Ashes series as he was taking a break from cricket but he made himself available again um for the Ashes how big is that for England do you think to have Stokes back big reasonably reasonably yeah um overwhelmingly <laughs> Um, no, it, oh yeah, clearly it's big, isn't it? Um, it probably suits him that he's coming into a, a series where actually he's probably not in a dissimilar sort of uh, place in terms of preparation than the, the, most of the players that we're playing <laughs> with true. and against. So that is true. So actually, like he, yeah, he's probably as cooked as anyone. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean that will that tips the odds slightly towards <laughs> England um, for sure. Because what do you mean? Make some favourites? No, no, no. Like it tips them from five nil to maybe four one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, you know what he's done so far. You know his ability single handedly to, to to win games. Um, the mental space that he'll occupy in Australia's heads. Uh, yeah, it's a huge boost, isn't it? Yeah. Although boost. he hasn't he hasn't played a Test match in Australia for eight years. That was his kind of breakthrough series, and he scored that amazing hundred in Perth. But that's a long time ago. Um, last time around, he was suspended. How long ago does that feel? <laughs> he missed the last Ashes series uh, after the, the Bristol brawl. Um, so he doesn't have a lot of experience of playing Test cricket in Australia. Um, but yeah, clearly, he's just a massive player for England. He's not played a lot of cricket this year, so could be expected too much from him. But as you say, you know, he's, he's undercooked, but so is everybody else. You'd think though that he will just he will lift the confidence of the group of the dressing room of the dressing room, won't he? Just having Ben Stokes in the team, they'll they'll just be more of a spring in the step of of, of the rest of the players. Yeah, I think we said didn't we the other week? You know, the fact that England were going in or looked like they were going in without Stokes and Archer, um, you'd have said absolutely no chance. Now you can probably talk yourself into thinking, you know, there'll be a contest. Yeah. Almost no chance, but yeah, this is the thing, is it that we, you know? Pro- trying to remember back to how we felt going into the last couple of series away and probably were obviously pessimistic but you sort of you do learn yeah sort of slightly burnt by those two experiences in terms of the fact that you can go in with a solid looking group and come out with absolutely nothing and it can be quite a grim winter so yeah I don't know I'm not I'm certainly not letting myself get carried away by the return of Stokes. Looking at the England team the big question for me is about the bowling attack. I mean... <laughs> what about the batting? <laughs> probably the big... Yeah, so the two big questions, yeah. the three big questions, the bowling attack, the batting lineup, and, and the fielding department. But no, I mean, the, the, the batting is probably more of a glaring problem, definitely more of a glaring problem. But in terms of, uh, you know, can England win the series? Like, yeah, it's... Well, we'll talk about the batting in a second, and they've got an immense challenge on their hands. But... There's absolutely no way that England are going to win this series if the bowling attack is as unthreatening as it was four years ago. So the 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 if I had to boil it down to one key question is have England got the firepower 
to take 20 wickets. I fear that I'm going to be spending a lot of time this winter, this winter watching Steve Smith bat, you know, <laughs> under the doona, crying into my cereal. But maybe there's reason to be a bit more optimistic about England's bowlers this time round. Four, four years ago, you'd say there was definitely, they're just not enough pace. It was kind of Anderson, Broad, Wokes, Overton, you know, bowling 80 miles an hour, sometimes 78, 77 miles an hour. And pace isn't everything. Like, you can overstate that, and people will point to, quite rightly, the example of Vernon Philando, who's had a lot of success in Australia bowling at that kind of pace. Josh Hazelwood isn't lightning, 85, 86. I mean, that, that is, there is a difference there. But nonetheless, you don't have to be 90, 95 mile an hour to to take wickets in Australia. But if you haven't got the pace, then you need like exceptional skill. You need Vernon Philander levels mm. of skill. And Anderson and Broad clearly have that or have had that. Are they at that level anymore is a question. Um, but England do have Mark Wood, uh, who does bowl that lightning pace. He's never played a test in Australia. He hasn't played a test against Australia since 2015, which could be a good thing. They've obviously played him in other forms of the game, but there's an element of of the unknown there um since that spell in st lucia three years ago tom which you'll remember because we were there yeah it's like one of those things when you've seen one film and it's all you can talk about <laughs> it's like it's not the only cricket we've seen live in recent years but it was bloody brilliant it was a great bit of live cricket to yeah. see and ever since then i've been i've been kind of dreaming about this <laughs> moment because you sort of thought well he well at, then a few months after that i was like well there'll be wood and archer but obviously it's just wood but the way he bowled that day you think well if he can if he can replicate that and bowl that fast and you know with that kind of hostility that is a weapon that england can use to win in australia can he do it sort of in 10 innings though well that's the question can he stay fit will he be asked to bowl too much can he bowl at that pace consistently there might be too much riding on him now but he's something that england have this time that they didn't have last time and Ollie Robinson as well is not super quick, but he's you know he he had a fantastic summer. He bowled well on an he's bowled well on a Lions tour in the past in Australia. So I think yeah, there's there's a little bit more reason to be cheerful about the England bowling than than last time. And I think with Robinson as well, he's got uh, there's an attitude there that will that will help because he's he is kind of aggy, isn't he? He, he's, he gets fired up. Okay, he could easily be kind of ground down over the course of the winter, but equally. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see him digging in and and, and making something happen. <clears throat> um, even if it's sorry, even if it's just like wind up the bats. You know, it, it's like, yeah, you know, he's going to be in their face. That's so, true. Yeah, um, there is a sense that some of the the teams that we've sent down there in the last few years, it, it's, there's been a sort of passiveness to it, and it's we've sort of mm. just been kind of bulldozed. But you know, again with Stokes in there, you know, he's not someone who's just going to roll over. So um, yeah, come on, come on, the lads, <laughs> come on. The lads. <laughs> Come three, on, three to England. Come on, lads. Um, yeah, and, and Jack Leach, by the way, as well. Who uh, you know, whether there's a question about whether England have got quite a long tail, and Leach doesn't necessarily help with that. But you know, I think he's he has got he's equipped to 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 do well in Australia. I think he bowled very well in India earlier this year, and he will get through a lot of overs, and that allows that might allow the likes of of Mark Wood to rest and and bowl shorter spells. You know, Moeen four years ago was getting tonked around and it, it was very difficult to, you know, to for England to get control and tie down an end and Leach might allow them to do that this time. So that's that's one of the big questions. The other big question is about the batting. Can the England batting stand up, Tone? Um, just that the, you look at the batting and there's just, there's certainly not much experience there. 
not many test runs between them. There's a lot of potential. You know, we're talking about Hasipa Mead, Rory Burns, Ollie Pope, Zach Crawley, Dan Lawrence. I mean, these are all um, exciting prospects, aren't they? But they are going to face a serious examination in this series. How much pressure, therefore, Tone, is on Joe Root? Is there any universe in which England can win or even compete if Root has a bad series? Probably not. But yeah, I don't know. I think he's in the kind of place where I don't think he will have a bad series. I think he, he, I think you can rely on him at the moment in 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 the kind of form that he's carried through through the year. The things he's had to deal with as captain and 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 the journey he's been on. I think he's he's in a decent place at the moment. So yeah, I think he'll get big runs. One thousand four hundred fifty-five runs so far in twenty twenty-one at an average of sixty-six with six centuries. He needs 334 more runs in the first three tests of the series to break Mohamed Yusuf's record for most runs in a calendar year. That has followed a lean couple of years, only scored two centuries in, in 20 tests across 2019 and 2020. But, uh, you know, clearly, well, he's number one batsman in the world at the moment after, you know, after the brilliant year he's had so far. His record, his, his record in Australia isn't great, or uh, well, not as good. Average of 38 in nine tests, never scored a century in Australia. At the end of the series in 2013, he was dropped. But you, you don't look at him and think, well, he hasn't got the game <laughs> to, to, to score runs in Australia. He's has been in phenomenal form this year. It's obviously a few months now since he last played a test. But yeah, uh, he's he's going to have to have an outstanding series if England are going to have any kind of chance. But you, you wouldn't bet against him doing that. So anyway, I'm, I am worried about England's batting. I'm always worried about England's batting, but but never more so than when they play Australia in Australia particularly at the moment, because the Aussie bowling attack is very, very, very good. Um, so much experience as well. They've got around 250 test caps between the four of them. Hazelwood, Stark, Cummins and Lyon. Is there anyone in particular you're <laughs> most worried about there, Tone? Or is it is it the, the unit? Yeah, I mean, there's just not many gaps, are there? There's not many, uh, there's, not, there's not a way through there. Not much um, let up. No. <sighs> particularly worried about they're all yeah i'm particularly worried about all of them <laughs> yeah very specifically worried about the entire lot um yeah i just think england need a bit a bit not quite luck but you just need like the last series in australia england started reasonably well drummer and vince was going quite well and mm, obviously he I was do a, remember that yeah and he was a player who has clearly a lot of people believe has sort of under well, has under delivered on his on his talent, and that's probably true. Um, but he was going nicely, and he, and then he got that there was that run out, and it was like an absolutely stonking direct hit. Oh, I'd kind of repressed that memory. Yeah, too. and you just thought like you, you know, obviously you can't change history, but so that doesn't happen. And Vince goes on to make a little score, and his confidence up, and then suddenly you know it just you just feel well, it's a cliche, but you know England have to start well, but. Just things have to fall in place at the moment. Mm. Yeah, we, we are. We, we've always been that far away necessarily. It's just there's an awful lot that has to go right. Yeah, can't afford many things to go wrong. But if everything goes right, there's a chance. But it's just it's on a there's it's a chance a, we might lose three two. <laughs> it's on a it's on a very delicate tightrope. Um, the, the one thing that does excite me about the series, and I think I've said this before, though, is just yeah, obviously England going heavy underdogs not just kind of underdogs in the sense that history is against them but underdogs in the sense that the team just doesn't look that strong 
but there's a chance for heroes to be born out there. <laughs> yeah, heroes to be made. You know, Hasib, Hamid, Joss, Butler. <laughs> <laughs> Why, are you sp- Why are you talking like that? Just, just trying to deliver it, you know, just yeah. get people excited. No, so, Johnny, like, that, that does excite me, the, the thought that, you know, could one or two of those players bring mm. us the ashes home? The, the thought that make themselves heroes. Rory Burns could <laughs> could have a good series, couldn't he? Um, I think that's right. I think they've got a very tough task, haven't they? And and you know, just just to answer my own question about the Australian bowling attack, uh, if there's one bowler I'm particularly worried about, it's Josh Hazelwood and Nathan Lyon. <laughs> Hazelwood <laughs> is for me, especially in Australian conditions, is just. People, it's a cliche to kind of describe him as the new McGrath, but he's just the new McGrath. He's gone up another level, I think, in in recent times. And then Nathan Lyon, kind of famously underrated, so famously underrated that he's not really underrated anymore. But again, I fear I'm going to be watching a lot of Nathan Lyon four wicket hauls this winter. Um, the Australian batting's maybe a little bit thinner, but still, you know, plenty about them. Spearheaded by by Smith and Labuschagne and Warner. So, you know, there's, there, I think some of the England batsmen would get in that Australia team, but in those three, you know, they've got, aside from Joe Root, you know, there's three plus Joe Root are the, the four outstanding batsmen in this series, you know, and Australia have got three of them. There was can, that. Can I, sorry, can I just interject? Yeah, just, go on. Just on, on your, your note about Hazelwood, just when you, you're talking about, I think he is... He's a, a, a smooth operator, isn't he? And it just, you know, just you saying his name there and thinking about him bowling in Australia had me thinking back to India getting bowled out for 36, of course, last, or this time last year. And he took, what, five for eight in five overs? Probably not show the highlights of that to the England batsmen, I think. <laughs> well, arguably they should. But yes, it might kind of put the wind up at them a bit. Um, well, it's kind of touching on that. Having talked about this for a while, you know, on paper, you could start to think that this is a bit of a mismatch. Um, but one potential worry for the Australians is that they just haven't played very much test cricket for a long time. You know, they, they've not got much test cricket in their legs. There was that series a year ago that you're talking about there against India, which despite bowling them out for 36, they went on to lose. But that is the only test series they've played since the start of the pandemic. So they've only played a handful of tests in the last two years. England have played loads in that time. You know, not always with great success, but they have been playing a lot. So there are questions about some of the Australian players. You know, we sort of, in some senses, we're going off reputation with with some of them. You know, well, Warner's obviously just had a great T20 World Cup, but, you know, is he still the same batsman in in tests as he was a couple of years ago? Labuschagne... Uh, had that phenomenal 2019 and so therefore is considered one of the best batsmen in the world I, I think he still is but players, was it a purple patch or you know we'll see you talk about kind of visualisation and what, is that the right word you know imagining um, kind of what's going to happen as you say those players I can just see Warner <laughs> slaying balls <laughs> over sort of cover cover point um, and, and Australia being like 120 for no loss at lunch I can just see it in my head. It's just that it's going to make a nice little ICC video <laughs> clip, isn't it? Just yeah. intercut. Just a shot of me. Going <laughs> yeah, me talking, uh, talking rubbish. 
intercut with <laughs> Warner just <laughs> smashing it out of the ground. Just going to town. Um, we're going to move on to him, but I've, before we do, I've got a composite 11 for you. Brilliant. How do you feel about that? Christmas come early. Come on. Merry Christmas. Uh, so what I've done is I've looked at the two teams, Australia and England, and I've picked one 11. Some would describe it as a composite 11. Uh, Groundbreaking. Here's what I've got. See what you make of this. Warner, Burns, they're my opening two. Then a middle order of Labuschagne, Smith and Root. Stokes at six. Butler as the keeper. Not in this batting order, but Lyon as my spinner. And then three-man seam attack of Cummins, Hazelwood and Anderson. What do you think about that? There are surprisingly large number of English players in that. Very surprising. Five English players, six Aussies. Interesting. I'd probably, you could argue, you'd put Stark in there. Ahead of Anderson? Anderson. Mm. Possibly. Maybe. So, I mean, Maybe you now know, and in Australian we've, conditions. I've, I've tried, we've, we, well, we've tried not to write Anderson off, although I've done it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, surely at some point it's going to, you know, his his legs, you know, it's, he's going to run out of gas. Yeah. And this is, a, you know, by all accounts, one of the toughest assignments in cricket, isn't it? For if, you know, to go and slog away in Australia for over five tests. So I hope it does. I hope, you know, I hope it's not the case and I hope he has a stellar, C, a stellar series and takes bags of wickets, but we'll see. You'd imagine he's not going to play all five mm. and it, 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 there could be a kind of, whether official or unofficial rotation policy between him and Broad. He's done well in Australia in the past, certainly 10, when was it, 11 years ago. He was one of the, the key players in that, uh, that England win. That is a long time ago kind of remarkable that he's still playing was very much in the middle of his career <laughs> yeah. at that point but uh i'm i'm i suppose i'm picking him there on reputation using your heart yeah which i think i'm entitled to yeah, do go for it mate it's, it's christmas it's my bloody podcast <laughs> um after all of that tone what's your prediction for this series who's gonna <sighs> win which of these two teams is going to win well made a right balls up of the world t20 predictions so how wrong can I be this time? I don't know. It, I, it's, it's, <laughs> it's difficult to be as wrong as that. <laughs> yeah, true. There are only two it's teams a, taking part. I'd, I'd probably take 4-1. Okay. <laughs> That's a good attitude. Yeah. It, look, if England can win a test, that'd be bloody brilliant. Because, no, if England can win a Dream test, big. I'll be happy. Give us the first test. Will you, though? If it finishes 4-1 and we're doing our review well, of the series, I'll, will you be... I will be happy, but I'll be, at least we'll have had a happy moment. Depends when it comes. Exactly. If we win one of the first three tests, I'd say, good on you. Yeah. If, you, yeah, if we win four or five, we're already three down. It's, um, mm-hmm. yeah. it's less exciting, isn't it? Um, it's really annoying because I was going to say 4-1 as well. Uh, I will go 3-1. Hmm. I do think England can win a test. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't win a test. It's probably unlikely there's going to be a draw, but given you know there could be weather around, you know, seeing what's happened in Brisbane at the moment, could be pandemics so, around. Could as well. be pandemics around. So I'm going to go three one. But yeah, I think it'd be a brave man to backing. And if there is going to be five nil, <laughs> we know which way that's going. Yeah, I do think as well. Like you know, the chat that's come out of the ECB and stuff over the over the years about how you know the Ashes are the priority, and they start talking about the Ashes years ahead. The fact that we're going to another Ashes series, expecting it to be four-one at yeah, best, although four-one's a good result, does somewhat make they should just stop talking about it. Mm. Forget the Ashes, if anything. But it's probably something they should have done years ago. Bugger the Ashes, 
just get to that when you get to it and start concentrating on everything else on, that's going concentrate on. Concentrate on the hundred. Yeah. Or, yeah. So that's the real quiz. Just get, you know, yeah, just, I don't know, create a good test setup and then the, the Ashes victory will come. Mm. Don't try and it's kind of foist every other series off as build up and then arrive literally raw. Yeah. And with, with a team that no one expects to even make a dent. So, I just, yeah. They might surprise us. They might. I want them to, but... But, I, but they won't. Yeah, just that, okay, <laughs> once we get this Ashes series out of the way, let's stop talking about the Ashes. Agreed, that's a pact. Okay, so well, uh, you, we touched earlier when talking about BT coverage. The reason BT are scrambling to find a commentary team is because they don't want to carry... They don't want to carry the Australian broadcaster feed which will include as part of the commentary team, Michael Vaughan. And the reason for that is because uh, Vaughan is uh, very much embroiled in the racism crisis that is engulfing English cricket at the moment, precipitated, of course, by Azim Rafiq's appearance in front of a common select committee a couple of weeks ago. Since we last spoke, Azim Rafiq's own conduct has come under the spotlight. Um, Some text messages emerged from a decade or so ago of an anti-Semitic nature, and he you know owned up to that and issued an apology to his credit actually he's he has always been keen to stress that you know the the things he the issues he's talking about are institutional and he's, he never was trying to kind of hang individuals out to dry um but so that was a another twist in in the story that that, that hadn't happened when we last spoke but when we last spoke but um but yes it continues to to rumble on uh with the vaughan stuff his involvement is that Azim Rafiq alleges that in 2009, when he, Rana Navida Hassan, Adil Rashid, and Ajmal Shazad uh, were about to take to the field for Yorkshire, uh, that Michael Vaughan said to them, There are too many of you lot, we need to do something about it. Vaughan has categorically denied saying that, but two of the other players, Adil Rashid, and Ron Vidarsan both said that they remember him saying it too, um, although Ajmal Shazad says he has no recollection of it. The BBC have stood Vaughan down. He will not be involved in their coverage of the Ashes this winter, and as we say, BT are, are scrambling to find another commentary team so that Vaughan doesn't have to be involved in their coverage either. There's a lot going on in cricket tone at the moment, isn't there? But what, 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 do, you, what do you make of all this? It's a complete mess yeah um it's really difficult partly because i I, it's hard to see a way through it at the moment uh there's no deny or i don't think anyone could deny that the sort of institutional issues that exist exist as they do in wider society as well in, in in areas of wider society and that that needs addressing and is probably almost certainly you know should have been addressed years ago the sort of personal stuff and the, the the accusations and the individual instances of of alleged racism or alleged sexism in some you know some of these capacities, I, yeah, it's difficult. I think there's too much. I, I don't know. I don't see a way through. There's we're almost at a bit of an impasse now, where yeah, people because in some quarters an apology is accepted, in some quarters it hasn't been. Mm. And and effectively, careers are at stake. And I know, yeah, yeah. Zim Rafiq obviously said in front of the MPs that he felt his career was um, at best undermined, and, and probably a lot more, you know, possibly sort of towards 
kind of finished really in terms of it, it being a sort of passion and an actual mm. career um but but yeah some of the i don't know the stuff with vaughan the stuff with simon hughes at the cricketer you know he was uh he's been sort of relieved of, of his role as editor at large at the cricketer magazine for yeah trying to explore or discussing these things on a podcast on a podcast yeah um which is which i don't know which seems very strange to me um because simon Hughes has always come across as someone who's pretty measured pretty mm. pretty reasonable pretty sensitive now that i obviously i've never met him i don't know you know they may who, whatever you know what i'm trying to say that that doesn't seem like the right approach to me yeah um likewise with vaughan there was a lot, so, well, certainly when it came out, I mean, we, you know, we obviously spoke a bit about Azim Rafiq on the last pod, sort of immediately following the um, select committee hearing. Um, and, ex, you, know, you know, definitely there's a lot of sympathy with the situation and, and, and the stuff that he went through. Um, now, the stuff that came out a couple of days later about him is also, it's obviously extremely unfortunate as well. Um, to which he apologised, and for the most part, you know, lots of the group, or the, certainly the, the the Jewish groups that spoke up or made their voice said afterwards, sort of accepted the apology and said it was, you know, mm. and, and believed that it was genuine and, and everything, um, which is which is great. Now that's a, that's that's almost as it should be in a way, and hope you know, hopefully he's learned from that. Again, it was ten years ago plus. Now the fact that Vaughan's the the, the, the line that Vaughan has taken is that he has denied that he ever said it. Do you get the sense that if he'd said, actually, I apologise for the offence caused, um, you know, it was whatever, it was a, a bad joke, I don't think he would, people would be like, oh, yeah, okay, that's fine, Michael. Mm. Because it's, get, it's almost wrapped up with a lot of other stuff about his personality now, which has become... Now, I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not saying <coughs> I like Michael Vaughan. I don't, well, I've never spent any time with him. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't necessarily like the character he has portrayed mm. over the last few years on Twitter. And, but it's almost like, you know, there was a lot of people say... I saw a lot of commentary after the, the stuff that was levelled at Rafiq came out, basically being like, oh, uh, it's very telling now that, that how gleeful and kind of how people are... Uh, a, lot of court, a lot of parties are kind of um, really like jumping on Rafiq and, and, and taking sort of almost mm. pleasure in the fact that he is also transgressed and and is basically guilty of the things that he is accusing others of. But and I'm not, I don't want to be I'm not jumped. It's not all about Michael Vaughan. And we've, you know, a lot of people have said that. But equally, there was a lot of glee when Michael Vaughan was the one implicated, wasn't there? There was lots of people jumped straight onto him because they don't like Michael Vaughan. So, I, I, yeah, I don't feel like the reactions and the treatment that various people are getting in this piece are actually necessarily fair, but... You know, I, I, I don't know. I, it, it doesn't create the kind of situation where we can move through this whole issue. It's just, it just kind of is seemingly to create more division and more bad yeah. blood. Um, and, I don't, yeah. and I don't know what the solution is to that. Is the solution that everyone just has to apologise, which they probably should anyway, you know. But, but yeah, I don't know how... Yeah, I'm sort of struggling yeah. to work out how we actually kind of make better on this. How, how we move forward. I agree with you. It does, it does seem to be getting just more and more poisonous rather than less. Um, there was definitely a gleefulness with which the Michael Vaughan stuff was received in some quarters. Now, that is because people don't like Michael Vaughan, but possibly that's because one of the reasons they don't like Michael Vaughan is because this allegation makes sense within the in their view within the pattern of behavior that michael Vaughan has displayed so you can say yeah it, it might be that it's they're jumping on him because they don't like him but 
if they don't like him because they think he was kind of borderline uh, expressing those sort of views in the has expressed those sort of views in the past, then it's a bit of a a blurred line, I suppose. Um, but yes, I, I, I do know what you're, what you're saying that there's not always necessarily equitable treatment, and it a bit like what we we're talking about earlier with Tim Payne. You know, it, pe- people aren't leaping to Michael Vaughan's defence in the way that they might to other people because they don't like him, and perhaps rightly so. I, we can get too far down the rabbit hole, I suppose, on the, the particular Vaughan stuff. For me, the the balance of probability is that he did say it because three people have said that they remember him saying it. I don't know. As he said, I don't know how, how we, we move forward. If he does say, yeah, look, I don't remember saying it, but it sounds like I did. I apologise. Is that enough? You know, what, what, what is it? Should that be the end of his career? I don't, that doesn't seem to make sense to me, but other people might say yes, but I, I don't know what is an acceptable punishment. You know, what, yeah. what should he do to atone? Is there any way to atone? There must surely be some way to atone. Uh, it's, I mean, and also are we, you know, are we now in a world where context and intention no longer matter and that seems to make a world of difference here. And I'm saying, I don't know what the context or the intention was, but there is a difference, it seems to me, if if Michael, if we assume that Michael Vaughan did say that, if he intended it as a joke, it would be an extremely ignorant, stupid joke that he shouldn't make. But that is different to him waking up in the morning, thinking racist thoughts and saying deliberately to those people because he actually thinks yeah, yeah. there are too many of you and we need to do something about that there just is a difference there so which of those two things it is for me would determine whether or not this should be the end of his career and, and, that, I, and, I, and I do yeah exactly and i do think it is important because i know that that azim rafiq has said that he doesn't want it to be all about michael Warren, like that. Yeah. but but as you say the context and the the intent is important, and if 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 it's decided that 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 isn't relevant, and that yeah, a misplaced or a misjudged attempt at mm-hmm. a, 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 you know you know what I'm trying to say yeah. is, is is you know that's a kind of that's sort of black and white, and that you know that is career over, then that does change the kind of the fabric of society. <laughs> well, doesn't absolutely, it? as you said before. Stand-up comedians say things that, in another context, would be completely unacceptable. But we understand that there's a difference in context, and it, it that does seem to be a problem. You know, that if we agree that that's how we want to proceed, that does create problems for a lot of things. Mm. So, I, I mean, but it's know. difficult. I I don't know how we move forward from here. I, say, I don't though, know what the answer is. As you say, those words. And which they have been read, literally read back to, to Vaughan and they've been read out, you know, ad nauseum now on mm-hmm. in the coverage. When when it's kind of delivered with a kind of somber, straight, serious tone, they mm. sound awful. <laughs> but when you see the footage from the match and from the the, the moment it was accused, you know, whether you like Michael Vaughan or not, there's just there's clearly no way that's what he meant. Yeah sure he was saying that now, so now that doesn't mean as i say this is not in any way to say like oh well it's just a joke forget yeah, it exactly. he goes, because clearly it made certainly azim rafiq extremely uncomfortable at best and you know and it was part of a pattern of other stuff that was going on in yorkshire so yeah this is this is not to downplay it or or, or excuse it at all but it just whether or not this it's now uh warranted that he or you know that he should that bt should he's so, so radioactive that bt have to 
find a new feed, commentary feed, because they cannot have Michael Vaughan on their station. It just seems that we need to understand the context and the intention for that to make sense or not. As you say, though, Azim Rafiq, very keen to make sure that this isn't all about individuals. Mm. I'm glad that this story does continue to run and you, you hope that meaningful change is coming. Certainly Tom Harrison's been saying a lot of stuff again, hasn't he? And, you know, he's kind of always on my TV at the moment. Um, and you've got to think that the ECB are going to be... They've got a lot of work to do. They've got but... block booking at the House of Commons, <laughs> haven't they? Yeah. Um, but that they are doing something because it's reached a point, you know, they can't sweep this under the carpet. You know, they can't just try and wait it out and they've got to do something. Yeah, yeah. And it, it serves no one, it's to no one's benefit to, to, to hold on. Yeah, exactly. To kind of, I don't know. Yeah, it, I think we do desperately need some progress on this front. And it is, it's kind of jarring because in so many ways it appears there is a lot of progress. So when you get then situations like this and, and all of the accusations and the, and the, the bits that feed into it, um, I don't know. It, yeah, it's then hard to work out the, the way forward. I, I mean, there's, obviously there's been some... What, yeah, cricket's been a real focus for this, um, I suppose, as much as football, but certainly the way it's been dealt with from last summer and, and the very, you know, the powerful, um, uh, the powerful kind of words from Michael Holding and Ebony Rainford-Brent um, around the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, that was pretty striking. I think I mentioned about um, the miniseries that Mark Butcher did. Watched that last week. Yeah, which is very, very powerful very quite quite moving and, 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 yeah, and, and it was it was yeah just exceptionally well done and and really interesting because certainly a few of those those players were before our time mm. just just so valuable to hear those stories mm. um the way those players have dealt with it and and you know now talking about it is um no i thought it was a, you know, a massive contribution to the whole the whole issue so i guess you just hope those kind of intelligent considered voices are the ones that are heard above some of the more kind of vociferous reactionary kind of angry voices because yeah, certainly the way that you know someone like mark butcher talks about these things i think is, is as i say is a, it's a valuable contribution it moves things forward maybe just spend i've just spent we spend too much time on twitter and actually if you sort of pull your head out of that then you know yeah the th- things are kind of a bit more um Level, uh, the, the, yeah there's a bit more kind of appetite for for progress and and solutions rather than just Co- like conversation yeah rather than just being kind of gleeful in other people's pain and mm-hmm. um sort of misfortune yeah, i would thoroughly recommend watching that mark but, uh, <laughs> so i thoroughly <laughs> recommend spending less time on twitter <laughs> well, i would <wish>. yeah. <laughs> i would thoroughly recommend spending less time on twitter i thoroughly recommend watching that mark butcher documentary and yeah so switch off your little podcasts and uh, go and dig that out. Okay, well, that is it, Tone, for the World Cricket Show this time. I'm getting very excited for the Ashes. I think I'm having just spoken to you about it for hours. I'm even more excited than I was coming into the stream. Are we bringing back Ashes daily this time? That's that's the big question <laughs> that the world wants answering. I mean, that is a bold, bold... <laughs> given that we've only managed to kind of crank out about three podcasts this summer <laughs> we could try i'm gonna drop in the tape from earlier this year where you were like <laughs> definitely 
definitely we can do Ashes Daily this winter. Well, why don't we try? Like, no, I mean, there's absolutely no way that my wife is going to agree to me doing a daily podcast. Uh, I'll give her a call. I'll, I'll talk around. I'll talk around. Yeah. Um, well, hang on. Just, let's just... Let's not... Let's not rule anything not in or any, out. Yeah, let's not make any hasty decisions. We've still what? got the Twitter handle. So that's the, that's the, the key first step. I the rest of it writes itself, really. There's a strong it? argument to do it just to build up a following on the Twitter <laughs> handle to sell it on. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Know, if, if, I don't know who would want it, but... BT Sport. BT Sport. It's all yours. I mean, they could have it for two two fifty grand. Yeah. <laughs> 250 grand. 250 Gs. 250 large ones. What, why don't we... Oh, God's sake. <laughs> You're having a lot of trouble with that a, iPad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's useless. Why, why don't we commit to doing Brisbane Daily? <laughs> uh, and we start there. No, but that's the first... I say let's commit to doing sydney daily and then that you know then we're just kicking that and then that means we can kick the can down the road <laughs> worry about it later that's that's adam in january's problem yeah, that's not true. something i have to worry about now um no let's do it i'll i'll edit it i'll take wow. on the editing <laughs> okay um uh, i I, th- I reckon we just give, give it a go, go. let's try let's it give it a go one last shot <laughs> one one last roll of the dice <laughs> <laughs> mccray will love it to be fair well we do it all for mccray don't we all right, well, we may or may not be doing Ashes Daily, but we're certainly going to be back after the first test um, with, a, with a full podcast. Just before we go, let's very, very, very quickly talk about India and New Zealand. And this could be just me talking about it, Tane, if you like. But um, it, it's kind of, it is a shame that we're doing this almost as an afterthought um, because this is a test between the number one and two... This is a series, rather, between the number one <laughs> and two sides in the world. Uh, and it was an absolutely fantastic game. The series, though, does feel a bit like an afterthought coming so sort of hot on the heels of the, the T20 World Cup. You've got the Ashes just coming up, which I know doesn't involve them, but... Um, they'll be watching that. Yeah, so. exactly. They'll be watching that. And it's only two tests and it's, all, you know, yeah. it's done in and out very, very quickly. So it does feel like something that, again, scheduling Claxon, but if they had any sense about them, you know, they'd be scheduling a five-test series or a four-test series between these sides and making it like the event of the of the year. But that's obviously not what's happening. But anyway, it was an absolutely thrilling test match uh, in Kanpur. India making 345 in their first innings. New Zealand replying with 296. India declaring 234 for seven. So New Zealand needed, uh, well, their target was 284. And they were going really well at uh, 79 for one. Uh, and then they were 118 for two with Williamson and Latham at the crease. And they, they probably weren't at any point thinking that they could pull it off just because they were probably going to run out of time and were starting to, to bat for the draw. But we're looking pretty comfortable. Uh, but then India began to take wickets. Jadeja took four. Ashwin took three. They kept chipping away. New Zealand uh, collapsed from 118 for two to 128 for six. They were then 155 for nine before Ajaz Patel and Rachin Ravindra hung on for 10 overs as the final wicket pair uh, to manage to scrape New Zealand through to a draw. So an absolutely brilliant effort to cling on. It keeps the series uh, level and means we go into the the final game uh, just as a straight shootout. How good was this game, Tone? Amazing. Amazing cricket. Yeah. Yeah, I know, as you say. Come on cricket, as I... 
as I shouted at my TV. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's a shame. I oh, hasn't crept under the radar, but there's been a, obviously there's been a lot of other stuff going on. Um, I know the ICC have been taking some flack from a lot of quarters about um, some of the kind of World Cup qualifying um, global qualifiers um, on the women's side. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's been a lot of sort of heat around, hasn't there? Obviously the Ashes build-ups in full swing, but yeah, um, yeah, quite an incredible, uh, incredible rear guard action from the from New Zealand. I mean. It, it's another when you consider kind of how limply England in the end drifted off in uh, in, in India last time out. Um, it's another massive feather in New Zealand's cap, isn't it? True. Although England did win the first test of that series, it remains to be seen what happens in the next one. If 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 New Zealand no, crumble true, and actually, New Zealand true. if New Zealand crumble and India win comfortably, you know it might be a different story. But they, it does mean that they're going into the final test of a series in India with a real opportunity to win the series. Um, which is pretty remarkable. It is only two tests. If it was four or five tests, you would still make India pretty strong favourites. Um, the Indian spinners, uh, Aksar Patel, took five wickets in the first innings as well. That they, they, well, they're just very, very difficult for anyone yeah. to to negotiate in India. So it's still a tall order. But it, it was. I was enjoying watching Latham and Williamson bat. You know, certainly. Latham's now crept into the top 10 of the test rankings as well. So two of the best batsmen in the world just faced with that challenge. Um, it is a shame that it's not more of a, that there's not more kind of spotlight on it mm. right at the moment. Maybe there is in India and New Zealand. Maybe this is just this us um, in our bubble here, but uh, in our Ashes bubble, our Ashes daily bubble, our Ashes daily. But yeah, uh, exciting Exciting prospect for the the second and final test. Yeah, big time. All right, well, we're going to bring it to an end there. Um, If you enjoy the World Cricket Show, we will be back after the first test, possibly in between as well with some Ashes dailies. But in the interim, get more involved on the internet. We're on, you know, the major social networking platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Send us an email, uh, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. But that's going to be it. You've got to race back to work now, Tim. Yeah, stuff to get on with. I've got to race off as well. (laughs) didn't even ask you how your trip to London was. Yeah, it was nice. Cheers, mate. Good. Sorted. Sorted. (laughs) Nice day in school, everyone. Bye for now. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.